You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball every weekday. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Simply subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56 along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic uh, and the Little Debbie Sweet 16. We are now down to the the Elite Eight. Uh, it, was, uh, it was quite... Quite the battle there uh, between the fudge rounds and the Christmas tree cakes. But in the end, it's going to be the seasonal snack cake moving on over. Uh, I don't know. A team that was poorly underseeded, apparently. You know, according to a lot of people, fudge rounds is one of their big, big faves. But Christmas tree cakes, just too strong. Yeah. 52% to about 48% there. Christmas tree cakes is like. uh, I don't know. I'm thinking like Florida State. Um, you know, it's uh, they only pay you know they only pay attention to the basketball program part of the year. You know, uh-huh. uh huh. Right. It's not a year round obsession. Uh, but when it's out there, when it's good, everybody goes crazy for it. Christmas tree cakes, Florida State uh, of our poll four five matchup. That was the really that was the only truly close matchup in our sixteen team bracket. Um, yeah, the other which thing reflects on by. seeding, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you know, it was mostly chalk, but we did have one huge upset, and that was also due to your horrific seeding, Dan, according to our our uh, readers. Um, Honey buns as a seven seed in the West takes out two seed Star Crunch. I think people don't. I don't. I don't think enough people know about Star Crunch. I so guess not. I thought a, everybody. Yeah. If you've had a Star Crunch, I don't like it's delicious. It's caramel, honey bun. Honey it's bun crispy like, rice, and it's chocolate. Yeah, honey bun is a pretty generic treat. I mean, you know, there's a million pastries like a honey bun, but well, and honey bun is not thirty four. Yeah, honey bun is not exclusive to Little Debbie. I mean, there's all kinds of different brands of honey buns. It's kind of like you said, generic. It's just a honey bun. That's why. That's why it was back at a seven seed. Is honey bun is, you know, uh, one that you could get for nobody else makes a Star Crunch, and I no. I seriously believe that Star Crunch was in the top five of Little Debbie treats. But yeah, it's a, it's a, it is it not. A, I thought you know you thought a Final Four contender, uh, not quite a one sixteen type of an upset. Uh, this was a little more like a, you know, a Kentucky on the eight seed eight line playing a one seeded Wichita, maybe, uh, by the way, this bracket is, it is ridiculous to me how many people care about it. Yeah. <laughs> we had, uh, in the, it, we did Twitter polls for our whole bracket for each matchup. And so they have different numbers of votes. Not everybody voted in every one of the matchups, but the top, top vote getting matchup, the honey bun star crunch matchup, Drew seven thousand and eleven votes. It's ridiculous. Uh, and with just a few minutes left in the East, the most in the East was uh, almost thirty two hundred votes. Uh, but a, I mean, thousands of people 
between uh, 3,000 and 7,000 people voted in every one of these matchups. <laughs> and lots of people <laughs> are replying and criticizing the seeding and making their case for their favorite snack. So bottom line is people really care about uh, Little Debbie items. Yeah. Um, and the I guess biggest blowout. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say the biggest blowout uh, goes with to oatmeal cream pies. Uh, they 90% to 10%. Uh, so they advance easily over Boston cream rolls. Uh, that was no problem there. Zebra cakes, also no problem with strawberry shortcake rolls. So zebra cakes is moving on 78 to 22. So it's going to be zebra cakes and oatmeal pies. Uh, I, I think that'll be a tough matchup as well. Banana Twins had no chance against chocolate cupcakes, 89 to 11%. Chocolate cupcakes moves on. And then it's the aforementioned matchup between Star Crunch and Honey Buns. It's Honey Buns there. I mean, I, I probably like Honey Buns to move on past chocolate cupcakes, but you're talking about two, again, two things that are very generic uh, very treats, generic. snack cakes. I mean, these hosts well, People are passionate some, about those snacks. Yeah. Uh, to me, you can get them from any company, uh, not just Little Debbie, but for, for Little Debbie, oatmeal cream pies, zebra cakes, I mean, there's nowhere else to go. I mean, that's that. Yeah, you know, on yeah. the other side of the bracket, the one seed Nutty Bar uh, breezes by uh, Donut Sticks, seventy six percent to twenty four percent. Donut Sticks. Uh, there was a lot of comments from people that were were very complimentary of Donut Sticks, very near and dear to their hearts. Um, They're a good which, coffee which dunking with. item. Yeah, I agree with. They are. You put that thing into some coffee, and I, I'm not sure that. There is anything on planet Earth that you can dunk into coffee and it come out tasting any better than one of those donut sticks from Little Debbie. So I'm not a coffee we, guy, but I, I take everybody's <clears throat> word for it. Oh, yeah. Uh, fudge rounds, Christmas tree cakes, Christmas tree cakes in a squeaker. Uh, the closest matchup of the first round, 52-48 Christmas tree cakes moving on. And you talk about... Uh, a great second round matchup: Christmas tree cakes and Nutty Buddy bars. I, I'm concerned for Nutty Buddy bars because yeah, there are people out there. Yeah, there are people see. out there that do prefer a white cake and a white cream over the chocolate peanut butter combination. To me, there's no better combination than chocolate peanut butter. But agreed, that's just me. That is just me. I know. I know. I know some family members who as children hoarded Christmas tree cakes in their room <laughs> under the bed when the parents would buy them. I'm not going to go any further with that. But, you know, so <laughs> they're to, they're uh, delicious. They're delicious. They're good. Well, chocolate marshmallow pies. Uh, it's a knockoff of a moon pie. We all know that. They had, they had no uh, chance against Cosmic Brownies, which that was 85 to 15. Cosmic brownies to me, personally, uh, they're trash. Uh, they're just generic. They don't Again, brownies. Yeah. You get 900 kinds of brownies. Yeah. So then uh, peanut butter crunch bars, uh, I put them in my top four, personally. But I and made them a seven seed in this. Well, because people just don't know about them. Well, maybe like Star Crunch, they're just not well known. But those things are amazing. I admit, but I've no never contest. heard of them before. Peanut butter crunch bars? Never heard of them until you brought them up when we were talking about this bracket. Well, that's why I thought it was important in the bracket to include the pictures. 
so that people could look at the bracket and see, oh, okay, just in case they didn't know. Uh, but peanut butter crunch bars, they're gone. They're out. 80 to, 80 to 20 Swiss cake rolls is moving on. So now we have Swiss rolls up against the Cosmic Brownies. I mean, if Swiss, if Swiss rolls doesn't move on, uh, it's, it's a shame. But there are people that swear by the Cosmic Brownies as well. That's what's great about this is every one of these teams that's in the Elite Eight, I have seen someone say on Twitter in response to our our, our uh, bracket here, every single one of these eight, I have seen someone tweet about one of those eight being their favorite of all. Like, of like it's the hands down, like they're going right. to, this, this is the, this is your winner period. Yeah. Yes. People have said zebra cakes all the way. People have said chocolate cupcakes all the way. Honey buns, Swiss cake rolls, cosmic brownies. Uh, fudge rounds and Christmas tree cakes. Seen both of those as uh, people have said. Moving on, nutty bars. Well, if you, Oatmeal if you, pies. if you do the math here, get based on our closest matchup. In our closest matchup, all all of the eight little Debbie snack cakes that have advanced uh, to the final eight have received at least sixteen hundred votes. The 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 least of them had at least yeah. 1600 people vote for them and some of them <laughs> i mean i mean over in the west bracket honey buns getting 65 percent. well i mean not even let's go to chocolate cupcakes uh, against banana twins got 89 percent of 6692 votes yeah so like 5000 people <laughs> voted for chocolate cupcakes and you know about four or five thousand people voted for honey buns so these, these this elite eight has got thousands of people uh yeah. voting for each of these snacks and and probably a disservice that we've done to the general public trying to stay healthy as we all quarantine because i know it's a disservice <laughs> i've done to myself by bringing this well, up i've had to go to the gas station twice since we started thinking about this idea <laughs> and i have crouched at my own personal health peril, I have crouched in front of the little Debbie section of the gas station <laughs> and stared at them and then chosen an item both of the two times I've been to the to the gas station. I probably haven't had a little Debbie snack in like easily months, probably years. Well, uh, when we started this, uh, my wife said, what do you need me to pick up from the store? And I said, a box of oatmeal cream pies. So, yes, I mean, that's I one had... of the things I've purchased at the gas station, a double-decker <laughs> oatmeal cream pie. See, the double-decker to me is too much. I am not a fan of the double-decker. It is too much cream. It is, it's an overload. Like, I like the, the bigger-sized ones at the gas station because if you buy them in the box, they're small. They're a little bitty, and you, you almost need two. But if you get them at the gas station, you know, the 50-cent one that's just – the, the regular one, it's a, a larger size than what you would get in the uh, the ones at the in the box at the store. But then the double decker, uh, I finished one of those and I've got a stomach ache. So yeah, it, it's a lot. I, I mean, I, it was a mistake to get the double decker. But I, <laughs> I, what, what am I going to do? But if the but the problem to me is the double decker in some convenience stores, and I've seen it in many of them actually. It is more often than not that I will see a convenience store have the double decker and not the regular one. So now you've given me no option. It's like I can only get the plus size um, you know, value meal. 
But I don't have yeah. the option to get a normal size fry. I have to get the one pound fry. So uh, I'm not happy about that. If anything comes of this, I, I would love if that would come of this, is that I would get my option back. Prompt some social change and get the, get the right. size, the size Debbie snack you want. Right. We're okay. Here to, so we're here to, we're here to help the people. Moving on from the little Debbie bracket. Uh, we have the elite eight. We'll put those, that poll up. Uh, do you want to put it up tonight or you want to wait and do it tomorrow? Yeah, as soon as the the uh, we got like five minutes as we're recording this until the East officially closes, all those are wrapped up though. Um, yeah, as soon as they're those polls officially close, I will tweet out the entire Elite Eight, all the matchups. All right, so the Elite Eight goes out today, and that way we can talk about it tomorrow and have ourselves a Final Four. Oh man, I cannot wait! And also over this episode and tomorrow's episode. Uh, two parts of our interview with Frank Buffano, uh, the new University of Kentucky safeties coach. Uh, Mark Stoops just uh, hired him, uh, promoted him from director of football operations to safeties coach to take over the spot vacated by Dean Hood, who left to become Murray State's head football coach. So we have an interview with Frank Buffano that we will begin in this next segment and continue in the third segment, final segment of this episode, and then it'll continue on tomorrow's Locked on Kentucky as well. So Frank Mafato next on Locked on Kentucky. You are locked on Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. All right. We are pleased to be joined by Frank Buffano, the new safeties coach for the University of Kentucky, uh, newly hired. He's not new to the University of Kentucky. He's been with Mark Stoops at UK since Stoops arrived uh, here in Lexington. Frank, thanks for taking the time to do this. Appreciate it, Dan. Thank you very much. Glad to be, be able to be on. Uh, now, folks, this is this is not Mark Stoops. I know he sounds like Mark Stoops, though. Has you, have you ever been told that? I mean, you're from Youngstown, and it comes out. Uh, sometimes around the office, uh, you know, maybe uh, yell across the hall or something. Someone won't be able to identify exactly who it is. But, uh, yeah, I think maybe we all have a little bit of a distinct way we talk. I, I don't know. Well, you know, being April Fool's Day when we're doing this interview, I mean, this would be a great day to call one of your, one of your players and pray a little prank on them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wouldn't be bad. Yeah. Get, get, get them up and get them moving. They'd be worried. Now, tell me, um, you're from Youngstown, uh, along with Mark Stoops, you know, Vince Marrow, Bo Pelini. Were you guys all at Cardinal Mooney at the same time? Uh, yeah. Uh, we were, uh, it was just, it's ironic the way that it happened. But like I said, uh, earlier, um, that, yeah, you know, when I arrived at Mooney and I believe it was fall of 1984, I believe, uh, you know, coach Stoops was a senior and Bo was a junior and, uh, Vince was a sophomore. So, uh, a unique way it's all worked out and we all ended up in this profession. How well did you know those guys? Um, I, I didn't know uh, Coach Stoops that well. I knew some of the guys that uh, were in the same um, grade school uh, that that I was in, um, and that were a little bit older, uh, that we kind of knew one another. And um, but uh, that's how I kind of connected with with Coach Stoops after after high school, so to speak. You know, I was just a a young freshman, not much to pay attention to, but, um, 
you know, Bo Pelini and Vince, I actually played high school football with them. Uh, you know, it was Bo, you know, once Mark had left, Bo was a senior, then Vince was a junior and I was a sophomore and we were all on the same, uh, same team. And then obviously Vince and I were on a, on the, on the team the next year together. And then, uh, you know, uh, and out of the whole group, I'm the only one to win a state championship as a senior. So <laughs> pretty stoked go. about that. But you, I would imagine growing up around there, I mean, is the, the Stoops name around there growing up was, uh, was it big? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, there was, uh, his father, uh, I had an opportunity to play for all four years there. Uh, and there was another coach there, Don Butchie, who was the head coach. Um, so they were both well-known, well-respected, uh, coaches, um, in, in the profession there. And, uh, you know, a, a long, long time of, of winning and, you know, molding men, you know, so to speak. So yes, the, the name, the name was, is still is. What, what, what's your best, uh, Stoops family story? What, when you were coming up, what was sort of the mystique around that, those guys? And, and what did you hear about, you know, a guy like Mark or Bob or any of those guys that were ahead of you in school? Uh, you know, I, I don't know, you know, their dad used to have some, some good one-liners that he'd get, you know, uh, out on the practice field when he'd get frustrated. He was, uh, you know, um, he was, he was a quiet man. He was very knowledgeable of the game, but you know, just some of the little comments that, uh, you know, he, he would, he would chirp out at me or other guys, you know, just about maybe falling asleep, acting like you're falling asleep at practice cause you're not doing anything and just little stuff like that. And then there was always the mystique of, of, uh, you know, Mark, they all played at Iowa, you know, and, um, you know, so there was always, you know, when they came back home and that there was always excitement and to see those guys and, you know, how successful they were in college. Why do you think it is that Youngstown guys seem to kind of gravitate to each other? Even, even if, like you said, you didn't, you didn't necessarily, you and Mark didn't grow up, you know, best buddies, but, uh, you know, the Pelinis, I mean, it's just across football. Yeah. There's so many, um, folks from that town that they seem to one they seem to gravitate to football too they seem to kind of gravitate toward each other well my, my take on it is this is you know youngstown um is is a is very blue collar did you go up there you said to do an interview or did you go to Youngstown? yeah no i went up uh i went up there when mark first got got hired and spent uh spent a couple of days went and saw where where mark grew up and uh, uh not visited pretty, with right? his mom and he was actually mark was up there for the uh the horseshoe tournament that they do every summer for his, uh, for his dad. Yeah. Bocce, the bocce tournament. Yeah. Uh, That's NGR. right. Bocce. But, yeah. But I mean, it, you know, it's, it's just, it, it, I think that, you know, Youngstown, like I said, it's, it, it's a blue collar town. I mean, we all, we all grew up scrapping and fighting for everything. You know, I remember the day that, you know, the mills closed down. Um, you know, I had uncles and that, that laid off and, you know, I came from a family that worked in the construction business. So, you know, um, you just weren't handed anything. You had to work for it. And I think that that, even at a young age from our families, um, teaching that and instilling that in us, it moved on to when we went to Mooney. You know, I mean, when we went to Mooney, I mean, you, you had to be committed to play football there and go to school. I mean, they're, because they're, those practices were four to five hours. They'd bring in once it got to be October, a former, you know, um, alumni that owned a construction company would bring out a set of the three lights that extend up and crank on that motor and we'd practice. But, you know, and I think all that hard work 
that we did was teaching us to be able to persevere in life, you know, and it molded us. And I think that's why we're all so still close because, you know, everybody went through it. Everybody went through the same basic structure and format at Mooney when his dad and, and, and Don Butchie were there running that program for all those years, you know, and I think that's why we all still, we all stay close. You know, I still have my, my mother's still back there and, and some family members and a lot of my friends are still in Youngstown, you know, and, and I think that that's, you know, and I think the football piece is that we all end up, a lot of us ended up, you know, involved in is because of what we went through and saw it. And, you know, the, the competition, you don't find any, anything else in competition like you do uh, in a sport, you know, and, and the greatest team sport there is, is football. And it, I think that, I know that's what, you know, it's a big part why I got into it so early and I was only, you do, know. Do you think that that sort of, that mentality growing up that way has made Mark kind of a, a perfect kind of guy to lead a program like Kentucky um, where you're obviously going to have to, you know, you're going to have to climb over some people to get done what you want to get done sure. where, you know, people would tell you that's, it's the hard path. It's the place you can't win. And, uh, you think that where you guys grew up and how you guys grew up is, is a big part of why he's been able to scratch out something that people didn't think could happen here. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, because you know, well, you can't, it's hard. It's this, those are all the things that, that, I mean, get my blood going, you know, I mean, tell me I can't do something and why well, you'll see, you know, I mean, uh, and, uh, you know, I think that that's what, what he brought and he brought that, you know, um, you know, everybody wants to be blue collar, but you better have a little blue collar in your blood. You know, you can't just can't flick a switch and, and, you know, battle through things that you battle through, you know, and I credit all that to, to the path that I grew up in in Youngstown, Ohio and going to Cardinal Mooney. You guys came a long way, many years apart, but Lynn Bowden is obviously a guy who came from the same place and, mm -hmm. and you know, has, seems to play that same way. Is he a throwback Youngstown guy? I mean, is he, is yeah, he, would absolutely. he have, would he have uh, thrived in your era in Youngstown? Yeah, absolutely. He would. No, no doubt. Another guy sometimes gets misunderstood, but you know what? Uh, he's genuine. Uh, you know, he, he, he's determined and he's not going to let anybody tell him he can't do something. You know, I mean, look what he did for us this year. Came in and played quarterback set a bunch of records and all that. I mean, uh, that's not easy to do in this conference at this level, but you know, he is definitely a throwback. Absolutely. We'll continue our conversation with UK safeties coach, Frank Buffano and how he got into college coaching with Mark Stoops at Arizona and the path that led him to Kentucky. When we return on locked on Kentucky. This is locked on Kentucky. Your team every day. We're back here on Lockdown Kentucky, and we now continue our conversation with UK's new safeties coach, Frank Buffano. Now, it wasn't until uh, Mark Stoops got to Arizona as defensive coordinator that you got into coaching. Is that correct? Well, got into college coaching. I had coached high school football at our at our alma mater from '90 through '96. Um, okay. So uh, I had several years. Um, uh, of coaching at that level. And, um, you know, as a young man wanted to explore some other options, uh, the network wasn't, you know, there as it is now through 
like I, I referred to through, you know, technology and social media and all that. So uh, I explored some other avenues for a period of time just to, to kind of find out what direction I wanted to go in um, and uh, wound up uh, connecting back with Mark. I don't know, maybe in 1999, 2000, I don't quote me there, but, uh, you know, when he was at the University of Miami uh, and, um, you know, just was interested to get back into into that kind of competition, that kind of, um, you know, passion in that for for coaching and developing kids, you know, that I kind of missed over several years that I was out of it. And that's when I, you know, we kind of made it work out out at Arizona and I, I went out there and started at the ground level and here I am today. Yeah. When you start at the ground level, um, just how tough is it? How, how, you know, what, what are the hours like? What is the, uh, the work like at that time? Uh, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's no different than it is, you know, it's probably a little more, uh, busy work when you start out young, you're trying to, you know, I was just trying to get in and, and, and learn, uh, coach uh, Mike and Mark's defense, you know, uh, and uh, just, just kept on working and, you know, self-taught myself, you know, just the, the defense and that when I wasn't in meetings with those guys or around or, or, or doing other, other duties that you have. Um, uh, so, you know, you just kind of just, you know, exploring those avenues and just trying to find ways to get better to understand and, you know, I've, I've sat in on a lot of meetings of a lot of coaches, so I was able to take their styles and see along with my style and how I would approach it and do things. And uh, I think it was, you know, I was very blessed to have that opportunity to kind of navigate my way through and, and just to, to, to be in all these different meeting rooms. Like I said, you know, I was in with Coach Stoops, but I'd go in with the linebackers coach at the time when the D staff got together just on how guys taught their players and, and all that. And, um, you know, it was a, a very unique situation for me. So you take what you learn from there. You go to Youngstown State yep. and become a coach there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then how do you reconnect with, with Mark uh, to come to UK? How does that happen? Well, I mean, you know, we, we've had a friendship. Like I said, now we weren't best friends in high school. Obviously, the, 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 the great difference there and that. And he went off to college and then pursued his own career. Uh, but when we reconnected in 1999 or 2000, um, uh, you know, I had just met what was going to be my wife and he had just, uh, I think over a couple of years had met, you know, Chantel and, um, we just connected as a, as a, as a, as a group and, uh, you know, we just stayed in touch. I mean, there, there was, yeah, that's where the guys that I knew when we were younger that are his good friends that are mine, that's, you know, we still all connect. We still all talk. Shoot. I mean, we're, yeah. I mean, it's, um it's nuts the relationship that, and, and, uh, that, that, that we built through Cardinal Mooney high school. Um, and, uh, so we always talked, even when I was at Youngstown state, we went down there in clinic with Florida state, uh, defensively sat down with them, uh, one uh, off season in February. I remember us doing that and, you know, just talk to them, Hey, we're having a problem, you know, with this concept, this route concept and that and call him and see what they were doing. I mean, uh, you know, it, it, everything's kind of similar. Uh, you know, as far as what offenses do, what defenses do, it's just how, how, what are you doing? What's your staff? What did you guys come up with? Would you brainstorm to maybe, you know, figure out how to stop something or play it a little different and, you know, have a change up. So we had, we had a constant relationship. Shoot. I mean, he's like a brother to me. And, uh, yeah. you know, uh, when he called me and 
you know, uh, it was for an off the field role as director of operations. But, uh, you know, I, I spoke to some people, my wife included, and, uh, you know, her, her first and foremost, and then some other coaches about, you know, hey, this is, you know, something new. And obviously with, with coach, with Mark. And, uh, you know, um, I, uh, I, what do you call it, um, you know, decided that, you know what, there's going to be a new chapter. So let's, let's explore this one. You know, it's big time football. It's the SEC. Um, it's, it's back with coach Stoops and, you know, uh, he was very, uh, very open to me coming back and being involved in meetings as long as I could handle my operation duties. And, um, and that's, you know, we just worked that way. And for the last uh, seven years, you know, I was still able to be around all the defensive meetings and in, and like I said before, with different coordinators, coach Elliott, when we first got here, you know, we changed up a little bit of our defensive philosophy because he had been with Mark. Florida State previously as a GA for him. Uh, so we all came from what we call a four down defense, a four three defense. And I was here when we went from a four three to a three four. And, uh, yeah. you know, and uh, I learned his, you know, I learned most of the secondary play from Coach Stoops and his brother Mike when I was at Arizona. So, I mean, you know, I mean, look at how many guys he's got in the NFL. I mean, I remember we had Antoine Casey out there, number one draft pick that we coached that we were, we had in our secondary at Arizona. You know, he was, Number yeah. one to the Chargers back in the day. And then he had, you know, his guys from Florida, I mean, from Miami and then Florida State. And, you know, now here. Well, when you come to Kentucky and become football ops, I mean, you're in that position until, you know, just recently when you move over to safeties coach. What mm-hmm. What is football ops like at the University of Kentucky? What, what was it like when you first got there? How has it changed? Just what are, what are some of the, just a few examples of some of the well, stuff I'm- that you would take care of there? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, with the, the operation of, of, of the office and other, I had a counterpart that uh, he and I worked very well. Dan Berezowitz, uh worked very well together. Um, but, uh, you know, setting up any team travel, whether that was from, you know, the, 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 the hotel piece to the, the plane or the bus piece to the making sure that, you know, our nutritionists that we have are putting the meals together for the players once we get to these sites, um, you know, just uh, scheduling of uh, high school football camps, um, just, you know, various just just duties that you, you have to do to, to help run the, the, so to speak, the business, uh, the business side and the administrative side of, of the football program. Yeah. So now when the when, when Coach Dean Hood leaves and mm-hmm. that, that position opens up, there's a vacancy there. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I imagine, I mean. I, I don't know that that you would actually know the number or anything, but how many people did you just think? I mean, when you have that kind of a vacancy, how many people were just in the running for it? I mean, probably, probably sure fifty or more, right? Well, I mean, I would assume there's, you know, there's yeah. a ton of people that apply. You know, I, I I would get some some resumes that come through to me, and I would just pass them along uh, to to coach and uh, you know let him decide and and that. But uh, you know, he and I sat down and you know chatted and uh you know and it just it, it was the right time you know and it, yeah. it worked out worked out you know very blessed the way it worked out for you having been with them um you know mark back uh, you know and his brother uh, mike all the way back to uh, arizona and, and talking about that secondary and learning about it what what is it that coach stoops wants in a secondary what does he want in a secondary coach like it is are there certain techniques and, and a certain style? Well, what, what kind of separates that? 
Well, I, I think that one thing good about Coach is that he lets you be you. And, you know, at the end of the day, you've got to be able to teach and have your kids absorb it and then apply it, you know. And uh, a lot of coaches, you know, there's there's several ways you do that. You know, you have obviously you have a handout of the defense that you're, you know, you have an install, what we call an install through a handout, through the video, through, you know, taking it out onto the field and working through the techniques and that through individual. But he lets you be you. And um, that's what I learned from him is, you know, I I love this game. I respect this game. I have passion for it. I have passion for for um, teaching these guys and and molding them, not just on the field, but off the field. You know, right now we're spending a lot of our mornings. You know, I touch base with all my safeties every morning. You know what I mean? Sometimes they want to hear from me. Sometimes they don't. But that's life. I mean, we've got tutors still going on. We've got classes still going on online. So still very much involved with them. And, and that's the other part of it that a lot of people don't see. They see Saturday afternoons or Saturday nights and, and, and all that. But there's a lot that goes in that it, there's a lot of people involved that help support what we as coaches do. And um, but, you know, just just learn, you know, you just that's what you just learn. But he lets you be you. And, you know, if he sees something, he'll tweak it. And that that's what's awesome about having his knowledge and expertise in that area. Yeah, it's hard at times. I've watched a lot of, you know, a couple of secondary coaches that we've had here go and gone. And I, I've, I've sat in with Steve Klinkscale, form another Youngstown guy. So, you know, I, I, I think that yeah, that that's the, the, the great part about coaches that, you know, he, he's there also to, that you can bounce ideas off of and talk to stuff because he's been there, lived it, done it through all of his years. So that, that's, that's another, you know, um, Great thing to have, to have that person there, you know. Our conversation with UK safeties coach Frank Buffano continues on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Kentucky. He discusses that UK secondary that he'll be coaching next season, along with recruiting and much more. Plus, the Little Debbie Sweet 16 tournament, we're down to the edible eight. Who's moving on to the finger-looking four? We'll talk about it on tomorrow's Locked on Kentucky. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R. Kyle is at Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. Right now, tell your smart device to play the latest episode of Locked on NFL Draft. Thanks for listening, guys. Talk to you tomorrow. You are Locked on Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.